Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the podcast. We'll be talking about the power of the brain. So let's talk about start from find your sweet spot. It all depends on the arousal. You need an optimal level of emotional arousal. It's sometimes called the stress. We transition it more towards the positive stress to achieve a peak performance. Have fun. When you have fun, your brain releases dopamine. Without fun, peak performance is practically impossible. Challenge yourself. The highest performance comes not when you're bored or in a state of utter panic, but when you're feeling slightly overcharged. That's when the brain releases just the right amount of non nor adrenaline to keep you at your best. Zero in on what's important. Peak performance never comes when you're doing more than one thing at a time, only when you are in a state of focused attention, working single-mindedly without constant interruptions. Is it possible to perform optimally? Yeah. One man's meat is another man's poison. When it comes to achieving peak performance, the same stimulation that invigorates one person may be overwhelming for another. One type of peak performer isn't better or worse than others. They're just different. There is no appreciable difference in intelligence and overall performance between people to the left and those to the right on the peak performance graph. They just require different conditions to reach their peak. Both gender and age can affect your performance profile. Women in general, they tend to be more to the left on the peak and men on average are more to the right. With age, we all tend to move further on the left. Match your environment to your personal performance profile. If you are constantly over or under aroused at work, the single most important thing that you should do to check is whether your natural predisposition is in line with your environment. Cultivate an optimal environment for your employees too. If you are a leader, try to adapt the workplace environment to allow people to operate more in line with their individual performance profiles. aim for in a flexibility in working conditions so that everyone can more readily reach his or her peak performances use mental training techniques for fine tuning not life changing only after you have found the right environment you can use the mental training techniques to adjust your level of arousal so that you're at your very best just when you need it The second thing that we want to talk about is how we can regulate the emotions. Start from the head and the heart. Two key regions they compete for the control of the brain. The PFC which is the prefrontal cortex is the rational thinking part while the limbic system is the center of emotional processing. In any battle between these two regions the limbic system will always win. Threat and reward. Within the limbic system there are two principal and very primitive responses threat and reward. When you are in a threat state, your PFC will shut down. When you are in a reward state, your thinking abilities are actually enhanced. Emotional resilience. To build up your resistance to the potential ravages of stress, you need to eat well, you need to exercise, and you need to get sufficient sleep. Change your body, change your thoughts. There are two routes to emotional regulation: changing your thought patterns. and changing your response to the stress fake it till you make it although the brain drives the body 
the communication channels they go both ways if you assume a confident posture or flash a satisfied smile your brain will usually transform that made a mood into a genuine reaction don't forget to say thanks just taking time in each day to be grateful has been shown to raise your baseline for happiness by as much as 25% try cognitive jujitsu the best way to cope with stress is to treat it the way experienced martial artists handle their opponents instead of fighting it directly deflected by using its strength to your advantage through labeling or reframing just name it simply labeling a particular threat a particular emotion a particular response it helps you to become more aware how you can transition that into disarming the limbic system and allowing your rational brain to regain control from lemons to lemonade a threat can be a tantalizing challenge a sudden setback can spell an unexpected opportunity how your brain and body handle stressful situations can be dramatically altered depending on how you choose to reframe them now from emotions let's transition towards sharpening our focus Let's start with executive functions, the ability to plan, delay gratification, and maintain sustained focus attention all originate from the prefrontal cortex. Distraction or driven to distraction. The PFC may be powerful but is also very sensitive to a variety of disruptions. Two of the primary culprits in the workplace are constant, unexpected interruptions from a variety of sources, and above all, multitasking. Multitasking mythology rather than promoting productivity multitasking undermines it it can make task take 50% longer with 50% more mistakes and number of devastating accidents have been blamed on multitasking so you think you can multitask true multitasking which relies entirely on the pfc is impossible instead your brain switches rapidly back and forth between the task a highly inefficient process that comes at a great cost to both concentration and productivity don't resist distractions get rid of them consciously attempting to ignore distractions can be as big a drain on the brain as multitasking the key to successful concentration is to clear your mind and your desk of any potential distractions before you turn your focus toward an important task or problem schedule a regular meeting of one one simple strategy for sharpening your focus is to regularly set aside a time blocking when you close your door silence your devices focus exclusively on a few minutes or hours of undistracted thinking time with yourself the mindfulness miracle there is mounting scientific evidence to support a powerful mental training technique called mindfulness Mindfulness can change the wiring of your brain to improve your performance and increase your ability to focus. The pinnacle, the pinnacle of performance is flow. Characterized by complete and focused attention, flow occurs when your skills are in balance with the challenges that you face. Highly skilled people who feel slightly overchallenged are far more likely to be able to enter the flow state when they need to. Now let's transition towards managing habits. Habit change is hard. Our brains prefer the path of least resistance in order to trailblaze a new neuronal pathway or neural pathway. The brain must be convinced that all that extra effort is worth it. How do you change habits? 
Establishing good habits and getting rid of bad ones they involve the same basic skills goal setting, motivation, getting started, staying on track. Putting your heart into it. Goals that look good on paper have no guarantee of succeeding in order to be successful. Your goal must be emotionally relevant. What's in it for me? People who don't have an emotional stake in the process are unlikely to change unless they can anticipate a meaningful reward or threat. They might go through the motions but fail to make the necessary effort that change requires. The first step is always the hardest, the biggest obstacle to getting started procrastination. The way to outsmart the brain's natural aversion to change is to use Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. It involves taking very small steps consistently that enables you to steadily make progress without setting off your brain's evolutionary alarm bells. Sustainable habits, they depend on triggers. If you want to make a change, the last good intentions aren't enough. You need to attach your new routine to a trigger. These trigger, routine, cue, combinations are technically referred to as implementation intentions, but are better known as if, then, or when, then plans. Now let's try to talk about how to unleash your unconscious. Your unconscious runs that show even when you make what seems to be conscious decision, your unconscious brain does most of the deciding. Unleashing your unconscious. When given limited time and limited information, experts often make better decisions. The tight restrictions, they force the brain to tap into the power, the speed, the calculating capacity of the basal ganglia where acquired expertise is stored. Because it relies on the stronger, speedier basal ganglia. Intuitive decisions made by experts are often superior to rational conclusions arrived at through conscious calculation. Beginners will always need more time. Unlike their expert colleagues, less experienced leaders typically need more time. They require more information and will usually have to do a lot of the processing with the help of the slower and less capacious PFC. Don't force experts to explain their decisions. The fact that experts frequently make their best calls unconsciously can make it difficult to explain just how they arrived at them. Forcing an expert to supply an after-the-fact justification for an intuitive decision may lead to hesitation and second-guessing that could undermine the original action. Taking the analytical approach to optimize conditions for rational processing, find a quiet corner minimize distractions, concentrate on the problem, solving it logically, step by step. Creating conditions for an aha moment. If the problem you have is a creative one, your overall mood, your level of focus, the atmosphere around you can all play a role in triggering a sudden flash of creative insight. Smile and it may come to you. Research has shown that sunny disposition can increase the likelihood of an aha moment. So if you're confronted with a creative environment, a creative conundrum, try to make sure that you or the problem-solving team are in a good mood. Foster learning. Learning has no limits. Once believed to be hardwired by the time we malleable, reaching the 20s, the brain has now been found to be far more malleable and ductile and plastic than even more neuroscientists imagine. You just need to know how to plan how to learn, how to take the action. It's called neuroplasticity. Learning is an emotional process. 
learning will only happen when you are emotionally involved either positively or negatively without emotional relevance your long term prospects for retaining new information are greatly diminished passing the hippocampus test the hippocampus it weighs two factors in deciding whether information is worth remembering emotional relevance and novelty is all about survival from the standpoint of your brain only information or experiences that activate the reward or threat response are considered worth retaining while you were sleeping sleep is essential to learning because that's usually when the information deemed worth retaining is transferred from the hippocampus to the long term memory get it right the first time good or bad the strongest impressions are first impressions that's why it's important with time when to train people correctly at the outset use aversive learning with care by far the strongest form of learning comes from the negative experiences but aversive learning is ineffective for training positive behavior save it instead for those rare situations when you want to inhibit undesired behavior the company that learns together stays together as fundamentally social creatures we learn better from others and in the company of others this underscores the power of stories and the importance of being a good role model let's talk about culture and diversity people are different there is a fundamental genetic predisposition to most personality differences from these you can infer that people have different needs in the workplace and if you respect the needs and you try to accommodate them as flexibly as possible people will perform much better and be happier at work the fantastic four According to scientifically sound psychometric tool devised by Dr. Helen Fisher at Rutgers University, four neurochemicals account for four key personality styles that she calls explorer, builder, director, and negotiator. And what are these four neurochemicals? They're endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin also. One more that you can take in consideration, which is the stress hormone, cortisol. Explorers and Builders Explorers are sensation seekers who inherit certain genes from the novelty sensitive dopamine system. They exude optimism and excel in creativity. Builders are people who value for their loyalty, stability, dependability are characterized by the serotonin system which is linked with a sense of calm and well-being. Directors and Negotiators Men and women with strong activity in the testosterone system are known as directors. They tend to be consummate strategists, both decisive and logical. Women and men who demonstrate a dominance of estrogen and progesterone are negotiators. They are intuitive, they are sympathetic, they are verbal and they often exhibit superior executive social skills. A team that looks like the UN may not be diverse. A group that looks different doesn't always think differently. Teams succeed not because of the variety of their appearance or backgrounds, because of the diversity of skills and personality types they possess. Best in class. Rather than trying to make everyone well-rounded, hire the people who have one or several top skills you need on your team, and then develop them in the areas where they already excel, with the goal of helping them become best in class. accentuate the positive when dealing with a team member's weaknesses move any behavior that qualifies as non acceptable to acceptable standard but not further 
then spend the rest of the time working on the existing strengths with the goal of helping them to become best in class in one or two areas identify your experts make a list of the top skills that you need on your team and then rank everyone according to that list once you do this everybody should be able to provide a clear and confident answer to the crucial question why am i on the team don't try to teach a pig to fly hire a bird rather than adopting the doom strategy of attempting to develop weaknesses into strengths hire new talent that already has a natural predisposition for the skill you require one size doesn't fit all don't expect everybody to be good at everything but make sure that everybody is good at something develop people based on their specific strengths the most important thing that we are transitioning now towards is cultivating trust mirror mirror a network of neurons have been found to be fire both when we engage in a particular action and when we observe someone else performing the very same action lead by example the implications of the mirror neuron discovery are clear when you are a leader the people around you may be mirroring what you do this means you have a powerful fundamental effect on the way the others act and feel around you rewards will drive performance people perform better when they are in a reward state the expectation of a reward which can be anything perceived as pleasurable triggers approach behavior while anything viewed as onerous or unpleasant can lead to its polar opposite avoidance behavior the fabric of scarf responding to the realities of approach and avoidance behavior is the scarf model it aims at minimizing threat and maximizing reward the five letters in the scarf they stand for status certainty autonomy relatedness and fairness status status refers to how people feel after they have interacted with you as a leader if you treat the members of your team in a way that they truly feel valued it will lead them to believe they can make a genuine difference certainty our brain is constantly attempting to anticipate the future uncertainty makes us uneasy and can lead to a threat response while the perception of certainty is likely to trigger a sense of reward as a leader you can't always take the mystery out of certain situations but what you can do is try to shed some reassuring light on the process autonomy when people have a sense that they are masters of their own fate their moods improve and their stress levels go down leaders can provide their teams with a greater sense of autonomy by granting them the freedom to work according to their own style and as long as they are willing and able to meet agreed upon goals relatedness people perform better when they feel connected to strengthen connections between you and the members of your group devote some time to building good relations with them by fostering an environment of caring and inclusiveness fairness instead of maximizing profit we maximize relationships and fairness in some instances our brains even trigger a reward response when we see others being treated fairly on the other hand any perception that we're getting a reward deal can set off the threat alarm as a leader if you work to foster a climate of fairness everyone and everything will likely to benefit including the company's bottom line bringing a scarf to work you can use the five levers of the scarf model to customize your workplace environment to meet the fundamental needs of your employees to improve the interactions between the coworkers 
to avoid or troubleshoot conflict situations and to jumpstart the change management process. So the SCARF, it stands for the status, the certainty, the autonomy, the relatedness and the fairness. Now let's talk about how to develop the team of the future. T is for the team and D is for the talent. Creating a high performance team is above all a question of recruiting and developing top talent. One of the most important roles of a leader is to recognize the presence of genuine talent. One you see it, grab it. Target your development efforts. Don't dilute precious development time and money by devoting the same type of training to everyone. Training has a far greater impact on people who are already talented. Employees will gain more by building on the existing talents than they will be by trying to improve the areas of weaknesses. Always try to create a brain-friendly workplace. Talented people still need an environment that makes them want to come to work and enables them to succeed. Since exercise, nutrition, sleep make up the trio of stress protectors, it is essential to support and encourage an atmosphere that makes these things feasible. Provide meaningful incentives with a brain-friendly workplace. Your employees will want to come to work and with the right incentives, they will want to remain on the work. When providing meaningful incentives, keep two brain-based principles in mind, fairness and novelty. Individual rewards are shared by the group. Like it or not, all compensation occurs in a social context. Money matters less than the perception that someone is being compensated fairly in relation to his or her colleagues. Fairness triggers oxytocin. Oxytocin promotes collaboration. Everyone loves a pleasant surprise. Unexpected rewards are processed more strongly by the brain than incentives that a team member has been anticipating. The difference is dopamine, the novelty neurotransmitter, which can be a potent motivator. With this principle in mind, strive to set aside part of your budget for spot bonuses. You will be impressed by how powerful these unscheduled rewards can be. Social flow is flow on steroids. The flow that leads to individual peak performance can be extended to an entire team. Psychologists who have studied social flow closely have arrived at a set of conditions that can significantly increase the likelihood of its occurring. These four factors are focus, flexibility, collaboration and cost. Focus, social flow won't occur in an atmosphere of distraction. A clear goal, complete concentration and close listening will provide the focus a team needs to collectively achieve the flow state. Flexibility, undue rigidity will discourage the flow state. It is important to build on the ideas of others instead of rejecting them outright and to surrender your normal tendency to assert your own ego in favor of pursuing the cause of group identity. Collaboration Groups that work well together are more likely to experience social flow. The optimal level of collaboration achieved when members have a basic familiarity with each other's processes and approaches but are not so comfortable as to become complacent when everyone participates at equal levels and when overall communication is effective. Cost Social flow seldom occurs unless something is at stake. A tangible, meaningful risk triggers not adrenaline which sharpens everyone's focus. 
both individually and groups, a sharpened focus is a crucial precursor to the satisfying state of flow. So this is the power of brain that we had a conversation about. I hope you enjoyed and see you in the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.